Hello, everybody. Chef Marcus Giuliano here. Welcome to In the Weeds, episode number 33. Um, some real tales from the restaurant industry. And who's joining me today? Uh, I'm Bart Hubbock. I'm the founder, owner, and executive chef of Memphis Soul in Brooklyn. Memphis Soul. So that's got, I, I see the spelling of it. How do you spell it? S, how do you spell soul? S-E-O-U-L. Uh, it's a play on words because uh, I, I, we were the, uh, I really feel like, you know, just from my research, we're the first people to ever do uh, fuse uh, Southern cooking and soul food with uh, Korean and Asian influences. And uh, I'm from Texas originally, but uh, Memphis, uh, you know, I started out with pulled pork and Memphis is the home of pulled pork and it fit the, and there was the Memphis soul sound in the sixties. So the name uh, really kind of came together and, and fit. So. Yeah. I love, I love the name. I got the play on words right away. That was really cool. Um, I mean, just looking at the name, I'm like, yeah, I, it, for me, it, it raises curiosity. Mm -hmm. somebody who likes food likes to go out i'm like okay i wonder what they have there let me take a look so that totally totally uh, uh grabbed, grabbed my attention so great job on the name really cool on that oh, thank you how long have you been in business uh we started as a, a street festival in um a tent and street festivals in new york city in uh april of 2018 and we opened up our our uh, brick and mortar in january of 2019 we've been continuous service uh since then so um it's the just past the third anniversary of our brick and mortar and almost the fourth anniversary of the companies congratulations thank you congratulations now how much experience did you have coming into the restaurant industry zero i'll probably be one of the more unusual uh guests you've had on this uh, podcast i'm uh, just about to turn 54 and uh I, I was a sports writer a journalist for 30 years um and then I left that business, you know, you do something for that long, it just kind of becomes, uh, you, you know, just, you just want to, you want to change. Um, and so in 2017, uh, I left that business and, and I had always in the back of my mind, I'd always been a foodie and, uh, you know, I'd always been a, a home cook and a home chef. And uh, I was like, you know, a lot of people, I was like, yeah, I want to see, you know, I just wanted to take a swing at it and see if I could uh, come up with my own food concept and, you uh, and, uh, you know, here we are uh, four years later. I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of what we accomplished. I mean, I feel like this has, you know, national and even international potential. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of very loyal customers. Our average delivery ticket is $46. Um, you know, I've, I've had uh, many, um, you know, potential investors, uh, you know, kick the tires and tell me, you know, this would do great in Los Angeles. This would do great in San Francisco. This would do, you know, just great anywhere. And especially uh, overseas, I think it has a lot of potential too. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of curiosity about, um, uh, you know, a lot about, about American food. Uh, you know, soul food's not really known around the, around the world. And then also Korean food is having a moment, you know, uh, it's really kind of coming to its own in recent years. So, you know, you have a, and we kind of appeal to, to a lot of audiences. Uh, and so I really feel like this has a lot of potential. I think the sky's the limit for it. So I'm, I'm very happy, but uh, it's a lot of work and uh, I got a lot of work ahead of me, but uh, I really feel like uh, you know, it, it's got, uh, like I said, unlimited potential. You, usually people that have no, no experience prior that are in it for four years like this are exhausted and drained and ready to get out. You seem quite the opposite. You're looking at big picture things. Well, I think the, the the feeling that I told you know that I repeated that about that I feel like it has the sky's the limit is potential. I think that's what drives me and that's what motivates me. And also, you know, like we're having a lot of you know, it's a it's daily success. Um, 
you know, I really feel like the, the restaurant has, um, you know, really caught on. I really do feel like I have proof of concept. Uh, you know, we're going to do, we finished 2021 uh, with $700,000 in gross revenue. And that which, which was uh, 36% over 2020. And 2020 was uh, 46% over 2019. And that was in a pandemic and we were profitable both years. So, uh, you know, I've, I feel like I really have a lot of things to feel good about and so that really motivates me I you know I can't wait to I get up every day can't wait to uh you know attack the day and and grow my concept that's awesome that's awesome so coming coming to this industry without any experience what's probably one of the biggest things that shocked you like oh my gosh like how in the world can how in the world can, can this be happening in this industry uh I would say, you know, that's a, I almost give you, you know, the, I don't risk of boring you, but it'd be almost like a multi-part answer just because there's so much that is eye-opening to somebody from outside the business. Um, I would say the biggest thing is the amount of things that can go wrong on a daily basis that it, you know, I feel, I tell people, I feel like a mash doctor, uh, you know, just constantly pr uh, providing triage and, um, just putting out fires. Yeah, putting, putting out, out fires, fires and and the next one to start. Day, every single day, and uh, I think it's it's even more intense in New York, just because things are so expensive here. Rent is so expensive. Taxes. The regulatory environment is is it can be oppressive at times. Even though that has lifted considerably during the pandemic, it's not as uh, you know it's not as cutthroat as far as the city being uh, on your behind. You know constantly, um, you know, I think the city and everybody here has realized, you know, that these, a lot of these small businesses and restaurants really drive the economy and they're not something to, you know, to get fat off of. It's something to, they want to, uh, now they realize the importance of nurturing uh, these businesses. That's good. So I was that, gonna ask you, I was gonna ask you about that during the pandemic. Yeah. Do you yeah, have the a- The environment has changed, but uh, you know, I would say that was probably, uh, and the fact that it's it's so difficult to make money, uh, you know, there's just so many, uh, you know, you sell a lot of food, you got to buy a lot of food. So uh, it's not it's very difficult to get to scale in this business. And so um, right. people equate people equate making more revenue means making more money. Right. But if you're losing money to begin with, you might repeat that same recipe of losing more money because you're bringing in more money because everything's not profitable that we do. And a lot of operators don't understand that. So um so yes yeah, so, i think it's very important that, that anybody getting in the restaurant business you just have to get a a, a a read i'm i'm just a huge believer in data um i drive my people crazy with all the data requests and, and all the analysis i'm doing but you got to get a, a a a bead on your costs or you're just you're done you're doomed a hundred i agree 100 and most people run high labor and they don't realize they're running high labor until they're like way broke right so way broke the labor's way too high when they could have done something eight weeks earlier 12 weeks early and made some changes and, and and it's not i feel like we're like we're almost like airplane pilots there's a series of all these checklists that we have to do every single day right and when and when a dish goes out with the wrong cheese on it or overcooked undercooked burnt whatever it is it's like that's just one thing on the checklist that we miss and you know and to to fly a plane it's complicated to run a restaurant. It's complicated. We're working on so many different moving elements and mm -hmm. people on top of it. 
And I'm sure employees, your team members have created a challenge at some point too, because every operator says that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I would say in more in the beginning, especially when, so we had a, a thing in early in January, 2020, 21, where we were featured on uh, uh, Channel 7 News here in New York, uh, did like a two minute, three minute story on us on, this, on the, the evening news and interest, I mean, I didn't realize that many people still watch the evening news interest exploded i mean we went from you know like uh average of 30 to 40 orders delivery orders on a mind you we have a 436 square foot restaurant okay and so we, we're doing you know uh 30 to 40 uh delivery orders and then this story ran and the following saturday after it ran we got 105 orders and it was a complete meltdown because my poor staff you know, they, they just weren't ready for that. And I didn't blame them. I wasn't ready for it either. Uh, right. It was just just exponentially more than we were used to handling and could handle with our current systems. And so I immediately ramped up the hiring. And when anytime you do that, it's, you know, you're not going to, you're going to have some problems. Uh, you know, you're going to have, you're not, you know, be able to hire the best employees every single time. And so that took a little while to shake out and, and, uh, and, but now I feel like the, the kind of the wheat has, I've been able to separate the wheat from the chaff. And, uh, uh I really feel good about the, uh, the people I have with me. All of them have been with me for more than um, a year. Um, you know, almost two years and, and they like working there and they like that they believe in the concept. And so I really feel like I'm in a really good place now but i mean if you talk to me this time last year i was you know it was rough because we were having to bring on a lot of people at, at the same time and you know it was not not some of the not the best people so so what was the what was your biggest struggle during the pandemic uh you know, you, to be honest it's like I, I, really the, feel I like i'm living in a i was living in an alternate universe as far <laughs> as a restaurant owner because I read, you know, I was journalist, so I read, you know, the news avidly, and every story was about the poor restaurant owner, which I, I understood. I felt bad, you know, like the the place right next to me had been one had been one of the biggest grossing restaurants in New York, uh, and then uh, two months into the pandemic, they were out of business completely, and so I, I you know, I realized people were struggling, but our place was set up for delivery and takeout all along. And so to be very bizarre situation, but it just kind of played right into our wheelhouse. And so I didn't really, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a struggle for us. Um, I think it was more of a struggle for us when we were trying to prove the concept amid the, you know, 2019 level of competition in New York City, which, as you know, was insane. I mean, you're, you had 20 something, 27,000 restaurants, and that was just hard to break above the din. But, um, you know, now and uh, uh, now that we've been able to be in the neighborhood for, you know, three years now, and uh, I really feel like we're kind of catching on and stuff. So cool. So, it, you know, it hasn't been, it hasn't been a struggle for us. It actually, you know, it's been a, that's fantastic. Here. House, so. That is fantastic. Here, I talked to I talked to restaurateurs on both sides. For me personally, we've had our best two years in the mm -hmm. restaurant industry. We've been here since 2003. So we we totally crushed and killed it in 2020 and 2021. So well, I hesitate so. to say that just because I don't want to look like grandstanding or you know, like taking advantage of a 
global pandemic, you know, I understand the, how that looks and stuff, but it's, we worked it's, hard. It, I'm just being honest. You know, we worked, I worked, oh my we God, right when the pandemic started, I, I, I thought I was going to suffer the same fate as all these other restaurant owners. So I immediately laid off all my staff. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, I got to bring them all back, you know, because uh, this is like, I had the same, a boon for us. So I had the same thing happen to me, lay everybody off, sell all my food, right. sell it. And then when I started realizing people were going to stockpiling toilet paper, I said, oh, they're going to stockpile other things. And we spun off another whole right. line of revenue with groceries and frozen fish and things like that. And we did very, very well with that. But we had, you know, just adapt. But I agree with you. I worked harder than I ever worked before. It was worth it. But I think I think most restaurateurs had an option to either go all in or say, this is my reason I'm getting out now. It's beyond my fault. Right. It's a pandemic. The government's shutting things down. It's un I think people felt good going out, knowing that maybe it wasn't their fault when they could have right. really when they could have really tried. So um, I really admire all the people out there that just buckled down and tried because it was it was tough. And you know what? It's 2022 right now. We still don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, right? I know. I mean, we're we're just going along the best that we can, and and we can go in any direction at this point. So. Um, there were a lot of great takeaways from the pandemic that, that we learned here in our restaurant that we're going to keep doing and keep going forward. Now let's talk about the food. Cause I, I, I love the name and let's, I want to just know how you came up with this concept. I want to know some of your dishes, some of the flavors, some of the flavor combinations that really work that one wouldn't think would work, or just, just let's talk to us about this, about this, this fusion. Yeah. I get asked that a lot. Uh, I'm not, uh, uh, number one, I am not Korean. My wife is not Korean. Uh, I get asked these, all these questions all the time. Um, I, I hate to say it, but the, you know, the, the explanation is, is a lot more mundane. Uh, when I got into this uh, business, uh, you know, my originally thought was to do it in street festivals and the biggest one in New York city is Smorgasburg. And so I was like, yeah, you know, I'll do like burgers or hot dogs, you know, maybe Chicago dogs or something like that. And uh, then I logged on to the Smorgasburg website and I realized, oh my God, you know, it's like getting on top chef or something. You have to try out, they have to acknowledge you, you know, they have to acknowledge you and then you have to come in and it's a very involved process. And, and, uh, and they're basically, I realized that you have to have a stick, you know, you have to have a hook. There has, it cannot be, you know, you cannot go to Smorgasburg and say, hey, I just want to cook hot dogs and hamburgers because they'll laugh you out of the room, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so, uh, we lived down the street from uh, one of our favorite restaurants here in Brooklyn. Was a is a um, is probably the most common thing that you ever see Korean fused with. It's uh, Korean and Mexican. It's called kimchi taco, and uh, and I was like, huh, you know, I was just like kind of playing around. I was like, you know, I've never seen. Why have I never seen Korean fused with? Um, soul food or southern cooking and i'm from dallas and i love to cook you know i love fried chicken and fried catfish and meatloaf and you know all the staples of of uh, soul food and uh and so i just kind of played around in my kitchen and uh came up with some um you know i got a tryout with them uh they didn't accept me um because i didn't have any experience and they were you know they they uh, they need more seasoned i think operators um and so at the time they did. And, uh, and so, but I was like, well, I'm going to take no for an answer. Cause I felt like, you know, and, I, and a lot of people uh, around me, you know, that tasted my food felt like I was onto something there and I really needed to see if this could succeed. And so I went and did some other street festivals 
and uh, and then to screw it from there. And um, yeah, we've expanded the menu during um, during COVID. You know, we added a lot of the fried dishes. Uh, and uh, yeah, now so we we serve uh, you know all the staples, but we do we do them all with a twist. Uh, you know, we instead of regular meatloaf, we do uh, bulgogi meatloaf, which is a Korean barbecue marinade that they put on uh, you know steak. Yeah, uh, or short rib. Uh, if you go to a, a you know a Korean uh, restaurant, like in K Town, um, and we do uh, we sell the bao buns, which is more Chinese, but uh, you know it's uh, we 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 say that it's with a Korean kick, but it's we also say it, it's a lot of Asian influences too. So the bao buns are very popular. Um, we do pulled pork. We do uh, and being in Brooklyn, I realized oh my you know we're gonna have to appeal to the vegetarians, and so we do barbecue jackfruit. Awesome. Um, and which has been very popular. And uh, so, you know, anybody can come into Memphis Soul with basically any palate and get something, you know, we can have a vegans come in and they can have a, a, a full meal at our place without, uh, with no problem. Uh, you know, and, uh, but also we do uh, baby back ribs. Uh, we slow cook those, uh, you know, we do, uh, yeah, tater tots, uh, pulled pork, Cream barbecue meatloaf, fried chicken, fried catfish, and um, and barbecue yeah, yeah and barbecue jackfruit. That's uh, basically we work out of the a small uh, you know rotation of of um, uh, uh, you know small bullpen of of items, but you know we almost use like the Taco Bell effect where you know okay. you, you have a lot of items. We have a lot of SKUs in a big menu, but it's it's generated out of a small of um, small right. You know, do you have do you, do you have any seating inside or is it all we all, do we do we do how many we have ten inside? tables and, okay. and then we built a, a shed um, outside that has uh, uh, two four tops and so um, oh, wow okay yeah do you have a did you have a liquor license we do we have a beer and wine license and okay. so we sell uh, that's also been very good for us because um, the most popular. Uh, you know, the po most popular Korean export as far as uh, alcohol is soju. Mm -hmm. And, but it, you don't need a full liquor license to sell soju because it is under the 25%. So it's considered, uh, I guess, under New York state liquor law, it's considered the equivalent of wine. And so right. I'm able to get by on a, a beer and wine license and, but still sell the Korean rice vodka. And Perfect. we import, uh, you know, we have, we'd like to say we have the, the biggest selection soju in, in Brooklyn because we sell 14 different flavors and then we sell a soju hard seltzer now. And uh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's and the Korean kombucha, we sell that too. And then uh, the most yeah. popular Korean lager, we sell that too. Okay. Yeah. So the people that are listening to this, if you don't know what soju is, it's, it's Korean, it's Korean vodka. Um, and there's about five or six states throughout the U.S. that allow this with a wine and beer license. Texas, uh, Georgia, I believe California, New York, and there might be a couple other states. So if you're an operator out there with just a wine and beer license, look in the socio. We used it for our first two years when we only had a wine and beer license. And you can make martinis. You can mm -hmm. make drinks out of it. You can make mojitos. Um, we do a soju yeah. colada in the warmer months. That's been there very you popular. Go. Yeah. So that's, that, that's a great piece of gold for anybody that's has a wine and beer license in those states, look up your laws. So what are some, um, back in the day, uh, 18 years ago, we used to use Han, and I know Han is not really available in New York, or is it in New York? I'm not sure. I, I don't was, think so. No, we get uh, the, the company is Good Day. 
Good day. Okay. We originally went with Genro, but um, that was they didn't have as big a selection and it was more expensive. So okay. And there's a lot of small boutique ones too, as well as the bigger ones. So you can have a lot of fun with that. I'm I'm, I'm very glad you mentioned that because that's that's yeah. a that, that's a big differentiating factor to um to uh to, to restaurants with wine and beer license. So thank you. Um all right, so I'm coming in, I'm coming in there. It's my death row meal. <laughs> what am I eating? What are you cooking? Uh, you know, it's funny. We get everybody that comes in for the first time. They're like, I want to order everything on the menu. Uh, <laughs> All right. So uh, everything. <laughs> I would say uh, you would you would want to go with our uh, bulgogi meatloaf. Uh, you know, it's very it's it's very it's not like, you know, a lot of people have uh, bad memories of meatloaf growing up because their mom made it. And it was really dry. But no, ours is very moist and tender and incredibly flavorful with the marinade and uh, we're the only people doing this, you know? And so if you want some going meatloaf, which trust me, once you have it, you'll be like, I gotta, you know, you know it'll, it'll be very memorable once you have it. Um, and that, and that's remains one of our best sellers, um, even though we added fried chicken and, and a lot of the, you know, the more, uh, uh, what do you say that uh, crowd pleasing, items right they're recognizable uh, people still come back to them once they have a taste of the meatloaf they want it in the bow buns or they want it on a sandwich and we serve oversized sandwiches and then also we do sliders and also you know it's very popular is um we do a bibimbap style um uh, rice bowl okay uh, and we dice up the meatloaf and put it on there with uh kimchi coleslaw really? pickles and then put the fried egg on it korean style that's okay. extra incredibly popular uh, especially that, the, the fried that's chicken bowl that's the granite hot pot. The granite uh, yeah, hot pot uh, we don't serve it that way, but uh, uh, we do serve it in a rice bowl. Uh, is okay. we say it's bibimbap style. Uh, okay, you do with uh, uh, you know compartmentalized toppings and then uh, with the egg on top. Fantastic. And that's been very popular too. So. Awesome. So, what kind of advice do you have to people getting into the restaurant industry that have never been in the restaurant industry? I would say go in with your eyes wide open. Um, treat every nickel like it's a manhole cover. Uh, you know, uh, get a get a, a bead on your costs from the day one, um, and that just means paying a lot of attention to you know spreadsheets are your friend. Uh, you know, pay attention to all your data as much as you can. You know, call, before you even start realize how much it costs you to uh, make each item so you're pricing it correctly and you're not losing money off of, uh you know you might think i've got this amazing you know menu item but you're not realizing the true cost of it and you're underpricing it and to where it's almost uh, uh where you're losing money on it and that just defeats the purpose and uh you know i would say and then also find good suppliers um negotiate with them try and get on you know get net 30 uh you know uh uh get uh good credit with them get you prove that you're reliable to them and they'll, they'll be good to you you know we have a really good op, uh agree uh working relationship with us foods um yeah you know and just you know try and uh try and get the right people that's just i know that's easy to say it's much more difficult to do in uh uh in real life but i felt i found that if you treat them right and uh give them a goal. And I believe in being incredibly transparent with my employees. They, they are allowed to see my PL statements anytime they want, because 
I realized, I found out early on that they all think that we're getting rich doing this and we're not, I, you know, that I'm is, still, that is so important. Uh, you know, the capital costs, I'm still paying those back. You know, I still have been able to pay myself, uh, you know, a, a decent amount just because the capital costs involved in this, especially in doing one in New York City, um, are just astounding. And so you gotta have a, have a, have a long view and be patient but I just, like I said, I believe in total transparency and they can see, you know, what, how we're doing on a daily basis, monthly basis. And, uh, you know, I found that they appreciate that. And, and then almost increase, increases the teamwork effect because they, they realize, you know, when the business is going up, hey, wow, you know, we're, we're building something here as a team. And uh, I think that's been able to build some loyalty, you know, from the people that work for them. So. Very, very well said. Two episodes I talked about. Um, a very untraditional or unconventional way to help to, to help to lower your labor costs. And that's keep your staff informed what the labor cost is. Show them your sales, show them the labor, sh show them this, just show them because they're going to be on your side now. And they're going to understand. Right. We posted in our kitchen, the labor costs every week. And, and I had a new cook that was with us for, I don't know, 12 weeks. He was with three or four months and winter comes around. We're a little slower. He's watching the, the costs go higher. And he says to me, he goes, Hey boss, you want me to take off on Mondays? And I'm like, do you want off on Mondays? He's like, not really, but I see labor size. So maybe that would help. And that's yeah. like, you don't understand. You don't understand by being transparent to your team members there where they will help you. And yeah. if you're not transparent, they think you're raking it in and you know, and oh, wow. And you're, you know, not paying me enough and you're making all this money and transparency is the best way to go. So that, that is fantastic, fantastic advice. So, yeah, you know, my number two, Guy, young guy, he's in his early 30s. Uh, you know, he didn't have much experience as far as the, you know, the dollars and cents as far as the restaurant business. And uh, now, uh, you know, I, like I said, I treat every nickel like it's a manhole cover, but he's become almost religious in it. And I'm like, I've found he's almost more uh, in tune to it and wanting to uh, control costs than I am, you know, That's so fantastic. It's, it's been pretty amazing. Yep, that is amazing. All right. So tell us how we can find you. What's your website? What's your Instagram? All that kind of stuff. Uh, we are uh, at Get Memphis Soul on Instagram and Facebook and uh, Twitter. And then uh, our website is uh, com. That's S-E-O-U-L, like South Korea, getmemphissoul.com. Uh, and uh, you, know, you can find us at uh, street festivals throughout uh, New York. Um, and we also do uh, some in Long Island and Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, we're going to do that this year. And uh, yeah, and during the during the warmer months. Excellent. Well, Bart, thank you very much. This was this was very informative. Great story, really great story. Because, like I said, most people like you after four years would be like, "What's my exit plan? <laughs> hey, how am I getting out of this? Right. Like, what, what did I get myself into?" So, congratulations. Well, I have asked that question many well, times. I but, still ask uh, myself that question. What I get myself into? But I just um, keep my eyes on the prize that I feel like uh, we have. So, awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And um, I hope to, when I'm back in New York City, because I would visit in New York City frequently, and hopefully we'll be back soon, would love to come visit. And uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell people that we're in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, at 569 Lincoln Place, near the Brooklyn okay. Museum and Prospect Park. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you. You're a great guest and continued success with your business and, um, and your big picture there, because Memphis Soul, it's got a ring to it. It's got my curiosity. <laughs> great. Thank you.